The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. That's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. Can you ever lose by winning? I say you can. We will talk about that on our history segment today on The Jesse Kelly Show. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. The Democrats 
planning to expand the Supreme Court? Are they really planning to expand the Supreme Court? I will tell you. Joe Biden pulling us out of Afghanistan. Ashley Babbitt, the woman shot in the face by a Capitol Police officer. Officer will not face charges. I may have a different take on that than everybody else, so I would buckle up for that one. We have a former CIA agent, Drew Berkwist, on the show next hour. I was having an in-depth discussion last night. I turned on some movie. It was Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. I'd never seen it. I heard it was good. Don't look at me like that, Chris. I didn't name the movie. See, this is the worst. When you watch a movie with somebody or something, and they say a cuss word or something, and the kids are there, and everyone looks at you because you're the one. I didn't write and direct it, okay? I didn't know, and I didn't name that movie. Either way, I'm not, I'm not going to get upset with Chris right away. I'm going to calm down. But I was watching a spy movie last night, and of course I turn to the wife and I say, man, I should have been a spy. She said, you're 6'8", and people can hear you a mile away. But here's the thing, Chris. People don't realize I'm like a shadow. I'm a 6'8". What? I'm a 6'8 shadow, Chris. All right, I'm not going to get distracted. It is going to be a fun day on the Jesse Kelly Show. No, it's not your imagination. There was no show yesterday. It's a long story. I'm not getting into it. Don't worry. I'm fine. Everything's fine. It It wasn't my fault. It was Jewish producer Chris's fault. All right. We, you know what we'll call that, Chris, from now on every time something like that happens? The Jewish conspiracy. <laughs> All right, quit. Naval battles. Naval battles have always fascinated me. Now, uh, full disclosure, not as much now as the older ones did. Now, you and I don't really have a ton of experience with what they'll look like now, So let me spoil it for you. They're going to look now nothing like they've ever looked before because it's going to be all long-range missiles. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be – you're not going to have this – cannons with sails and we got him broadside. Ahoy! You're just not going to get – it's going to be 200 miles away slamming a missile into the side of the battleship and it's gone. They say that's the new thing for how technology is going to change going forward as a quick side note. That China and Russia and us, we, we invest huge amounts of money in long-range missile technology. It's really made those beautiful navies, those aircraft carriers that won World War II, kind of made them a bit more obsolete. What good is your aircraft carrier when, and I'm totally making up this number, when your plane on the aircraft has a... Thousand mile range, we'll call it. And I have a missile with a 1500 mile range. You can't get to me. I can put you at the bottom of the Pacific before you can touch me. You see what I, it's just, that's, that's how warfare advances. And I made up those numbers, but that's, that long range missile thing is a real thing. So setting aside modern naval warfare and what it'll probably look like going forward, naval warfare in general has always fascinated me for this reason. If you're a a grunt, an infantry guy like I was on the ground, your day-to-day life in combat or in the field really, really sucks. It's just terrible. There's no better way to put it. It's terrible. 
It's constant, constant work of oftentimes horribly boring, menial tasks. Very critical ones, mind you. But, okay, uh, pack up your stuff. We have to hump 10 miles this way today. Then you're going to pull out the E-tool. That's a little miniature shovel that's like a foot long. And we need you to dig a fighting hole for yourself. Okay, I'm six foot eight. The fighting hole has to essentially come up to the top of my chest. Do you have any idea how long that takes? And you're building it with the buddy. Okay, and now that that's done, we're gonna, we have to send out some patrols and then come back. And, oh, here's some crappy food. And, and look, it's just day-to-day. Life's terrible. The animals and the heat and the cold and everything else. I, I'm not dissuading anyone from thinking about doing it. Make a man out of you. It's, it's a man's duty to do things like that. But it's, day-to-day life's crappy. However, in a combat situation, it's not that it can't get dangerous. It's not that I can't die. Infantry guys die all the time. But I at least feel like if I'm my infantry company, my infantry platoon, and we get in a big fight, I feel like I get a great amount of control, a greater amount of control over whether or not I make it out of there alive. Now, I realize that's kind of ridiculous. You never know when someone's going to fire a bullet into your ear and that's your last moment on earth, but you, you feel somewhat in control. Naval battle has always fascinated me because you're on a boat in the middle of the ocean. You are 100% at the mercy of who is, who's, at, who's at the steering wheel of yours. Who's shooting from yours? Who's shooting from theirs? And during World War II, we're not talking about World War II today, but during World War II, what their planes are doing. And you have no control whatsoever on whether or not you're about to die. And if you die, the best way to die on a boat is to get blown up. Because the other two options almost inevitably, well, three options, are one, you get crushed by things moving around, two, you drown, three, you burn. Not exactly the best ways to go. Oh, and if you do make it off, enjoy five days of shark-infested waters like they did on the USS Indianapolis. You see what I mean? You go from a better day-to-day life on a boat. Not that it's lovely on a boat by any stretch of the imagination, but you go from a better day-to-day life on a naval vessel. But man, when it comes to combat time, when we're talking about like some of the ships we're going to talk about today, they're firing shells at you that weigh as much as a small car. And if they hit your boat, you're not in any control of this. And it's not like you're standing up on the deck with binoculars the whole time. Up, oh, that one's coming. Better say a prayer now. Uh, you have entire crews. Uh, half the ship is below deck doing the laundry, doing various other things. You're just down there five floors down from the top. Every time you hear an explosion, you're wondering, is this my last moment on the planet? That is... A different kind of terror. Does that make sense? A different kind of terror. And it can happen all at once. It's going to happen in our battle today. One shell hits the wrong place at the wrong time. 1,500 men on board. All of them gone. Incinerated. Gone. Just just like that and it's over. You don't have a moment, unless you're talking about an atom bomb or something, you don't have a moment in regular infantry ground combat where... One second, everyone's there. Then a half second later, 1,500 men are gone. 
It's terrifying. So let's rewind. Let's go back to one of the biggest, greatest naval battles in the history of the world. It's the year 1916, and it is World War One. And I have to make sure I am good enough about setting up a story before I launch into them because this is a problem people make. Or this is a, a mistake people make, I should say. When people tell stories, I have people email all the time and say, I love how you tell a story. I love telling a story. One, I never considered myself a good storyteller. I'm glad, I'm glad you do. Good. But two, you want to know why you think I'm a good storyteller? You really want to know why and how you can be a good storyteller? I will tell you why in just a second. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. It's awful to quit dipping. And it's awful to quit smoking. And only people who've never done it, or never done it for some time, I should say, say things like, well, why don't you just quit? Well, okay. That's so easy to just say to somebody. Why don't you just quit? Well, one, people enjoy it. I know you're not allowed to say that now, but people enjoy it. And two, it is addictive. We know that, right? People get addicted to it. I was addicted to dipping tobacco for a long, long, long time. I needed help to quit doing that. I wasn't just going to magically do it one day. Jake's Mint Chew is how you will do it. Trust me on this. If you're smoking, if you're dipping, go get Jake's Mint Chew. Tobacco-free, nicotine-free. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Code word Jesse at checkout for 20% off. Truth. Attitude. Jesse Kelly. The Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Do not forget, tomorrow is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. The questions are already coming in. I can tell there are going to be so many. I'm going to get to a couple today. I, I, just, I have to get to a couple of these today. For you new people. As you can tell, the show, yeah, we tackle issues, we talk, we talk history, but it's not exactly a heavy show. It can get a little dark. History is a little dark, and obviously, as you know, I'm quite offensive. But I have never wanted you to finish the show and feel like crap. I just don't have a better way to put it than that. I I, I used to listen to all kinds of talk radio Obviously, most of it conservative talk radio. And while I loved it and it was smart and there's so many talented people out there, I hated that so often I finished the show and it's, uh, everything sucks. It's the end of the world. I hate that. I hate that. So I don't do that. So as you can tell, day to day, it's not going to be a beat you over the face show anyway. Friday, uh, even less so. We don't tackle any issues on Friday. None. Unless they're in your email. So when you email me something, it can be political if you want. That's fine. We tackle those. 
It could be history, food, men, women, jobs, anything you want. Stupid survival scenarios. Undoubtedly, I'll have more of those tomorrow. Who wins an animal fight between a gorilla and a grizzly bear? We've answered all these. Email your questions. Don't for a second think that you're going to email it in and, oh, that's too dumb. No, dumb's pretty much what we're going for that day. Or you can leave us a voicemail or call live, 877-377-4373. Back to the storytelling thing before I get back to my story. People talk about how uh, they love that I'm a, a good storyteller, they say. They say I'm a good storyteller, which is weird. I never considered myself that. But assuming that's correct, do you know why? It's really this simple. Have you ever, have you ever had somebody read something out loud to you? And they read it to you like this. Captain Ryan, police officer, won't face charges in his fatal shootings after ballot. A proper prosecutor said. And you're all, I'm sorry, what? What's that? Do you know why they read it to you like that? Because when people read out loud to someone else, they don't change their mentality and think to themselves, I'm reading out loud to someone else. They think I'm simply reading and then voicing the words. You're not reading. You're reading to me. So read to me. The headline goes, Capitol Riot. Police officer won't face charges in fatal shooting of Ashley Babbitt, prosecutors say. That's how you read to someone. People do this on the phone all the time. People do this in the the fast food line when you're ordering food. I'd like a a number three uh, extra cheese with the Coke, please. All right, you know, next video number three, the okay? I'm sorry, I, I didn't understand you. Could you could you say that I didn't number three, the coke, the same? Speak to me. People do the same thing when they tell stories. They tell a story as if the person they're telling the story to already has a good base of knowledge on the subject, or and this is really what it comes down to most of the time. What it comes down to is an ego thing. They tell a story. So the person listening doesn't get to learn the story and doesn't get to enjoy the story, doesn't get to put themselves in the story. People tell stories so they can feel smarter than the person they're telling stories to. So if it feels like sometimes they're talking above you or beyond you, they're doing that on purpose. They don't want you to feel the story. They want you to think, man, Jesse is so smart. That's the difference in storytelling. Are you trying to make yourself look smart, or are you trying to put yourself in the story? 1916, World War I is raging. And prior to 1916, for hundreds of years, the British Navy has ruled the seas. Absolutely ruled the seas. And that is so critical. I've always been a huge admirer of Britain. Because when you look at that island they have, what advantage do you have up there? That place sucks geographically. And I'm not dumping on you. I mean, it's just not your home base is nothing special. I, I'm sorry. It's just it, geographically, natural resource wise, it's a cold, rainy, crappy island up there. And yet they made something of themselves that is incredible. The largest empire in the history of mankind, and they maintained it forever simply by dominating the seas. 
They dominated the seas forever. And we're not going into all the details today, but Germany had just kind of recently become Germany. You know, it was Prussia and all these different Germanic things. And they just decided, okay, well, let's all just get together and call it Germany. And Germany, well, they were German. And what does that mean? It means the same thing today that it did then. Less so today, but the German people, pretty awesome. The German people are hyper-focused on math and engineering. I, I always relate to German people because... They're a bit of a direct people, you could say, not necessarily light and fluffy. Even their language, ach, dach, and even that, even that just sounds like somebody's punching you in the face when they talk. I, I like that. Now, as we see in later wars, that kind of attitude can get you in a bit of trouble, but the German people are focused, hyper-focused. So Britain and France have been these world powers, and Britain rules the seas, and along comes Germany, Fairly new nation, and Germany is killing it. This is prior to World War I. One of the main reasons they're killing it, don't laugh, don't roll your eyes. France and Britain, we have all kinds of documentation showing they were gravely concerned about this. You know one of the reasons Germany was killing it? They were cranking out babies. Their fertility rate was through the roof. Their culture placed a priority on young people getting married, moving in together, and hammering out a bunch of kids. That sounds so basic and offensive and terrible to people today. And you live your life how you want. I'm not telling you how to live. But historically, every nation in the history of mankind has understood. People getting married, having babies, makes for a very, very, very strong nation. It just does. Your future is constantly guaranteed. Germany is on the rise. Economically, they're just churning and burning. And Germany wants to get in on this high seas stuff too. So leading up to World War II, Germany looks around and says it's time. And they start building a navy. And at first, I can't sniff the navy of Britain, the greatest naval power in the world, But again, these people are Germans. It starts to do more than sniff. It starts to gain steam. And they're cranking out ships that, wait a minute, what, this, their their battleship's actually a little bit faster than ours? With a little more armor? Wait, that can't be right. Why? Yeah, it is right. So Britain has to up their game. They do up their game, and they build something. Has to be the coolest name for a ship of all time called the Dreadnought. Doesn't that just sound like a Star Wars thing or something? The Dreadnought. And this is the battleship of battleships. In fact, this became a whole class after Britain builds a Dreadnought. Now, what? see, I hate when people do this, too. When you talk about things like naval warfare, and you're like, it was better than all the rest of them. Okay, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. Well, here's simply what it means. I'll tell you in a second. And don't forget, we have CIA agent Drew Berquist coming up one hour from now. He was in Afghanistan. Let's talk about pulling out.
Let me tell you something about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. These are testimonials. The, uh, listen to these. these. These are not from me. These are people who've had it. We have three of these fine products in rooms we usually occupy. Their effectiveness is great. My wife has allergies, and the allergens in the air become less intense, and she breathes better without sneezing. The clean air aroma is wonderful when you enter the room. We sleep better at night. Here's another one. Easy to use, quiet, eliminates cigarette smoke odor, smells like fresh air after a thunderstorm. Wife has allergies, sleeps through the night with no congestion. This is one, these are one of 20 that I have on my Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Go get one. You will experience the difference. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Code word Jesse at checkout for 10 bucks off. Germany starts to build themselves a navy. And what does what does it mean? This is the Jesse Kelly show. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Kelly DC. You can find me on Facebook. I'm also on locals where I can't be kicked off. But when people say one ship's better than the next ship, they never explain. It's very, very simple. Here's what it means. More armor, bigger guns, and faster. That's what it means. It's not more complicated than that. Uh, There are more things that go into these ships, and I love ships. There's actually one of these dreadnoughts still left in the world. It's right here in Texas called the USS Texas, but it's closed off right now for repairs. But look, I've seen a tour of it. It's really, really cool. I'll get into that in a second. But I have a hard time fitting in many of the compartments in ships because I'm six foot eight, so it just does not work very well. However, that's what they mean when they say bigger, stronger, faster. World War I kicks off. And World War I kicks off, and Britain has another kind of experimental ship they've been working with. You see, a battleship is awesome, right? Everyone can picture what a battleship looks like. Every single person has at least a decent mental image of a big battleship. Huge ship, huge guns. It's just guns coming out everywhere. A battle cruiser. What is that? It's kind of the same thing, except for one minor difference. It's super, super, super fast. Way faster than a battleship. Yet, if you were looking at it, you and I, with the naked eye, would say that's a battleship. Well, wait, how'd they do that? Well, here's the thing. Laws of physics have not changed. If something appears to be the same size and yet it's moving faster than the thing right beside it, it either has a different engine or it's much, much, much lighter. The battlecruiser is much lighter because they took all that super thick armor on the battleship and they removed it. They thought to themselves, we'll be so fast, the other ship won't be able to hit us and we'll be fine. We'll see how that works out here in just a moment. So World War I kicks off. You know this is a back-and-forth war. Germany's doing, I I mean, they're all doing well for themselves as far as the bravery goes. But these countries 
are bleeding each other dry in World War One. I'm talking about Germany, Britain, and France. There were many other players I know, including Russia and blah, 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 blah. But I'm talking about those ones for now. They are losing men at a rate nobody's ever even heard of before. And they're sucking up vast quantities of food supplies. You just you do that when you're at war. And think about think about this. Think about the volume of food it takes to feed an army. And you're if you're someone like Germany, you're having to grow and raise that. How many cattle do you have? How much cattle do you have in your country? How much corn are you growing there? It's it's getting difficult. Britain takes that wonderful navy of theirs, and they have started to seriously squeeze Germany with a blockade. And let's talk about a blockade for just a brief moment. People love to separate themselves from the consequences of their actions to make themselves look good. I, thankfully, am a bad person, so I don't have this burden. But if I were to say blockade something for you, would you be okay with that? Do you think that's an appropriate, softer use of force? Uh, you know what? Great example right now. Iran. We have, you and I, the United States of America, we have had crippling sanctions on Iran that that idiot Biden just lifted anyway. And I support them 100%. So I'm not dogging on them, but let's you and I have a talk about that. What are sanctions to Iran? What, what are they to you and I? It's a headline. That's all. You, you, you read it as you gloss over it in the, in the morning news website you log on to and you don't really think about it again. Or you get headlines like, Iran crumbling under the sanctions. Iran almost bankrupt under the U.S. sanctions. I'm looking at a headline right here. U.S. sanctions pushed Iran to the brink of bankruptcy. And every single person who hears my voice right now is going, yeah, screw them. Okay. You're also okay with Britain blockading Germany during World War I, and I'm not saying you shouldn't be, okay? You do know what that looks like on the ground, though, right? That's people starving to death. That's not necessarily the, the leaders who are leading a country astray. That's men, women, children, old people. That's children looking at mom, saying, Mom, I'm hungry. And mom saying back, sorry, honey, there's no more food. Don't forget to make it real in your mind. I'm, again, I'm not saying sanctions on Iran are bad. Screw Iran. But understand that that's a real cost. Just because it's not a bomb with body parts and blood and bullets and smoke and fire doesn't mean it's not just as damaging. In fact, you can argue it's more. Britain was squeezing Germany hard in World War I. Germany has this wonderful navy. It's not as good as Britain's, but they're playing the same ball game now. Germany decides, okay, we've got to take some chances. Why hadn't they been taking chances? The same reason militaries don't take chances with these things today. Navies and air forces now, but especially back then there wasn't an air force. Navies cost a ton of money. Purely financially, the guy on the ground, the grunt in the fighting hole, he doesn't cost that much money. 
If you want to look at it coldly, dollars and cents, he just doesn't cost that much money. A battleship costs a fortune. And because it's naval warfare, and we talked about this in the beginning, you're one shot away from losing it. You're talking two years, three years, four years to even build one. All this money, you empty the treasury. Let's go, let's go get them, boys. Sally forth. Boom. Oh, it's at the bottom of the ocean. Like that. That kind of financial devastation is hard for a nation to withstand. So your, Germany had this navy. They just they never used it. They were focusing on U-boats and things like that, sinking things. Germany decides it's time. It's time to take some chances. We're being squeezed. We have got to break out of here with this Navy and open up some shipping lanes or our entire country is going to starve to death. The problem for Germany is they got a bit careless with something called a code book. You see, you have codes. You don't, you don't make radio calls, telegram calls, flag calls. You don't make any calls in war and say, hey, Marty, uh, it's Bob. Uh, I just wanted to let you know we're gathering four battleships at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. We'll be driving your way. Should get there around 9.30 a.m. From there, we're going to go ambush. You don't talk like that because they're always listening, too. So you speak in code at all times. Now, that works out great until you leave a code book lying around for the enemy to find, which Germany did. Britain didn't crack a code. I hear people talk about this all the time. Britain cracked the code. Britain's great at code cracking. Don't get me wrong. They didn't crack any codes here. They found the freaking code book. (laughs) That doesn't count. They find the code book, and they find out Germany has a plan. Germany's plan is this. They're going to break out. They're going to lure Britain into a trap on the water, and then they're going to bomb them off the North Sea, which will clear out everything so Germany can open up trade and get some food pouring in again. That is the plan. But Britain knows it's the plan, and Britain knows where the plan is supposed to take place. So this should all be pretty easy, right? Uh, That's where you'd be wrong. Hang on, we're going to finish the Battle of Jutland here, and then we are moving on to expanding the Supreme Court. Hang on. out catch up jessikellyshow.com hey dad your prescription will be ready in just a minute hey dad your laundry will be ready in just a minute dad your lunch will be ready in just a minute hey honey why don't you take a minute when you help care for a loved one you give them as much time as you can making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. 
Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ed Council. Jesse Kelly show. Do not forget tomorrow is an ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Call with your questions. Email with your questions. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. The plan for Germany is this. Send our sweet Navy out. Lure the British Navy into a trap. We pounce on them, we wipe them out. But Britain knows it's coming because they got the German code book, and obviously the Germans don't know it. Germany pushes out with their fleet. Britain is where Germany is going. They're waiting for them there. But there is a little twist in what's happening. The Germans split their fleet as well. The Brits see a German fleet coming. They think to themselves, nice, it's time to ambush the ambushers. And they take off after them, chasing them. The Germans see this, turn around, and head back towards their brother fleet, running away, only not running away, luring the Brits over towards the bigger one. Soon enough, it works just fine. The Brits are in hot pursuit. Yeah, we're going to get these Germans. Uh Uh-oh, that's a lot more Germans there than we had been chasing before as the German fleet links up, sinks up, and begins plowing into the British with with their heavy guns. You should know, Britain outnumbers Germany. I'm not going to break down all the ships your eyes will glaze over. About 150 to 100. That's how many ships we're dealing with here. So large amounts of ships in all different kinds, destroyers, battle cruisers, and whatnot. But the Brits were the one who ran themselves into a trap. The Germans start firing away. And we're talking guns that fire 10 miles and more. It's, uh, the, this naval warfare, again, is so fascinating. And the Brits get a rough first day of a field test for their battle cruisers. Remember those battle cruisers, the battleships that are battleships only without the armor, and they're supposed to be so fast it won't be a problem? One of them was called the Invincible. It's at the bottom of the ocean as we speak. Why? Well, again, this naval warfare is just, it's always terrified me. It's always, It's been something, it's unique. What happened? Well, the Germans were firing away and obviously missing a bunch when you're moving and up and down in the water and they're moving and up and down in the water and you're shooting at distances of 10, 11 miles. You're going to miss more than you hit. The problem is when they did hit, they didn't just hit the Invincible. The round went right through that lightly armored side and hit the Invincible's magazine. I know what you're saying. What's a magazine? Here's what a magazine is. It's not one room. That's a, that's a, people get this wrong. It's not just one big storage room. It's one big storage area with several different rooms where you keep all the shells, all the black powder, all the everything. 
And as a little side note, you should, uh, you know what? I actually might, as soon as they open it up, I might go tour the USS Texas and take some video for you so you can picture this in your mind. Remember, these shells are way more than a human being can lift. So if you see the inside of one of these magazines from one of these older ships, you'll see a really, really cool, advanced, especially for the times, elevator system where they have cranes and hooks and pulleys and they'll they'll hook onto this shell and then it swings over to this area where it's set down and then it has to go four stories up through this chute up to the gun area where it has to be craned again. It's, I mean, huge crews. I think they said, I may have this wrong, I think they said each gun had 70 men as the crew. And when you see the, the, the things of powder and what they must have weighed, it's it just the huge guns. But think about the damage a high explosive or even armor-piercing armor round would do if it hit the magazine. Uh, let me spoil it for you. It's total damage. One of these boats, one of these boats, these gigantic, hugely expensive boats, they said was underwater completely in less than two seconds. Boom, sunk. Gone. 1,500 men. Gone. In the blink of an eye. And it happens to another one too. But the Brits had split their fleet up too. And they saw this battle was not going the way they wanted it to go. They turn around and they take off back towards the other part of their fleet. Now the Germans are in hot, hot pursuit of the Brits. And naval warfare is so funny because you don't even think about the conditions, the fog. How, what, 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 what would fog do? Remember, we're not talking about radar yet. We're not talking about planes flying overhead. Oh, you can find uh, these battleships right here at this coordinates. Even in World War I era, these guys are cruising after them, only it's the ocean. You don't know where they are. And if you lose sight of them and they get sight of you before you get sight of them, you are in very, very, very deep trouble. And wouldn't you know it, that's coming. We'll finish this up, then we'll talk about packing the Supreme Court. Hang on. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. 
is the now world famous Jesse Kelly show. That's right, Chris, with international downloads. Eat it. <laughs> you know what's great? Whenever you talk about this international stuff, and then we do some kind of war story or spy story or something cool like that from one of the other countries, I'll come back tomorrow and there'll be emails from people in Britain. And lots of times it's, uh, it's oh, I love the story. Sometimes it's, hey, you screwed this up, which that's fine too. It's fine too. I mean, there's only been one perfect man to ever walk the planet and Chris's people killed him. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Do not forget it is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Tomorrow it's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Get me your questions. We'll put a bow in this story and talk about packing the Supreme Court. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. The Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We have Supreme Court packing, backing out of Afghanistan. I have thoughts on frozen yogurt. And Ashley Babbitt was shot in the face. Cop will not face charges. I have a different take on pretty much all these things than the norm. We will go into all this today. Another... Another racial, another hate crime hoax. I know you're going to find this shocking, but all that's coming up. Let's finish up the Battle of Jutland between Britain's Navy and German's Navy in World War One. Don't forget, if you miss any part of the show, you can catch the whole thing on podcast. Yes, I know it's a regular terrestrial, nationally syndicated radio show, not to brag, but you can catch the whole thing podcasted after the show on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. On iTunes, leave a five-star rating. Leave a review talking about how handsome I am. You can see there are like 700 of those now, and it's hilarious. Getting some complaints that you're taking longer than 15 minutes to get the podcast up, Chris. (laughs) All right, quit. Battle of Jutland. Britain thought they were going to chase down the German Navy and hammer them. Britain found themselves running into a buzzsaw. They have boats now at the bottom of the ocean, already thousands dead. Britain takes off, joins back up with their main force. Germany finally finds them, 
but sees them a little too late, and Germany finds themselves out of position. What does out of position mean? Well, this is going to be the very last nerd-out detail I give you on anything today, but you will take this and explain it to your friends later on. Do not give me an ounce of credit. Remember, true success comes from stealing other people's work and pretending it's your own. What have I always taught you? So when you tell your friends this later on, you take full credit. In the Navy, on the seas, there's something called crossing the T. You want to do the crossing, and you don't want your T to get crossed. What's that mean? Picture a T. All right, you have the vertical part, you have the horizontal part. Your ships are on the vertical part. Someone else's ships are on the horizontal part. Who has the most guns aimed the right way? The guns are pointing out the side of the ship, remember? Yeah, the guy on the horizontal part is going to smoke you out of the water because he has all his guns pointed at you and you do not have all your guns pointed at him. The Germans run into this at this time. They still make a great show of it. The Brits do sink some German ships. But Germany turns around and takes back off. Britain decides, you know what? We have lost too much. They've lost about 6,000 men by this point in time already. Three times the number of Germans. They've lost more ships than the Germans. And Britain says, we can't do this anymore. And they back away. And Germany backs away. So you would call this a German win. I understand people argue that point. I'll have people in my emails tomorrow arguing that point, and that's fine because you can argue the point. It's not a decisive victory either way, but on, on paper, there's not a second way to look at it. Germany, Germany won this battle. And you know what Germany did after this? Germany promptly took that great feat that is, fleet that had just had a victory over the British Navy, the famed British Navy, And they went and parked it back in their ports and never brought it out again. There is such a thing as losing in victory. Why didn't Germany bring it out again? Well, I can tell you it's complicated, but it's really not complicated. The truth is, Germany tried too much too soon, and the cost of it was too high And they didn't ever want that sting again of losing that much money, that many, that many sailors out on the seas. They simply couldn't bear that cost as a nation that was getting squeezed in the middle of a war. They couldn't bear the cost. You woke up this morning and undoubtedly, whether you rolled over, grabbed your phone and checked the headlines, I see you. I know what you do. I know what you do. Or whether you waited till you got to work and made sure the boss wasn't looking and then logged on to your favorite websites to check the headlines and see the news. You saw something to the effect of this headline from NBC News. Democrats to introduce bill to expand the Supreme Court from 9 to 13 justices. And you probably lost your mind. Your, that little vein in your forehead probably started pulsing. Blood pressure jumped 20, 30 points. As you thought to yourself, okay, this is the end of the United States of America. They're going to pack the court with four or five more justices. And we're never, ever, ever going to win another court battle again as every insane communist Democrat agenda item gets the sign sealed and delivered, approved, 
stamp from the high court in the land. I want you to take heart today. There's enough bad news. We're going to get to all the bad news. You know why you should be thrilled about this? Number one, they don't mean it. They're not going to do it. They are not going to expand the Supreme Court. It's questionable whether or not they even can lawfully do it. And so that's that would be a huge battle. One, they're not going to do it because then this is how this works. It's mutually assured destruction. Democrats expand the court to 13. Okay. Republicans take over, which eventually one day they will, Lord willing. Okay, good news. We're expanding it to 18. All our people. How's that sound? Then Democrats come back and do it again. It creates it creates a never-ending destructive cycle is what it does. They're not going to actually do it. Don't worry about that. But let's say for the first time ever, Jesse the Oracle Kelly is wrong. I like, by the way, I really like that referring to myself in the third person, Chris, with the nickname I gave myself. That's a new level of third person we will be employing on this show for quite some time. What, Chris? Anyway, let's say this is the first time in the history of man that Jesse the Oracle Kelly has been wrong about something. Let's say they do it. 13 justices. They pass all this radical garbage through Congress, all gets signed into law. Let's say they do it. You know what that does? That rapidly advances something that should happen anyway. How long have I been talking to you about the idea of a national divorce? Did you think I was just doing that for shock radio talk? We are a separated nation. We are two different nations. I'm not even going to point fingers, although I'm happy to, but I'm not going to point fingers. A nation is only a nation if a nation shares common values. Otherwise, there's no reason to be a nation or on a smaller level, a a tribe. Think of uh, Indians, American Indians. You got a tribe of 50 of them. Why are they a tribe? Well, there's safety in numbers, and they choose to live, work, and worship together because they share common values and expanding that out to a nation. There's no other reason to be a nation. Otherwise, you might as well just go be by yourself. You choose to become a nation because there's huge safety and oftentimes prosperity in numbers, and we share common values. Well, what if you stop sharing those values? What if you don't have any common values anymore? Well, then you're no longer a nation. Now you're a powder keg waiting to blow. So there's no reason to do this. So where am I going with this? I'll explain in a second. And we are 15 minutes away from CIA agent telling us about Afghanistan stuff. Hang on. Feeling a little stocky? Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly DC. Here's a review for an Eden Pure Thunderstorm. We love this works great for allergies. Here's another review. Best ever. 
Love mine. One in the house. No longer smells like cats. Second in my bus, protecting my passengers and I. Yep. These are all real testimonials. I have dozens and dozens of these for my Eden Pure Thunderstorm. I own three of them. Understand this. It does not just cover up odors. It eliminates them completely. I have testimonials about eliminating cigarette smoke, about eliminating, as you just heard, pet odors and allergies. Oh, my gosh. My allergies used to drive me nuts. Not anymore. I don't wake up with itchy eyes anymore. I don't wake up with a runny nose anymore. And all of that is because of my Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Go experience it. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Use the code word JESSE at checkout. That gets you 10 bucks off. Hey, this is a message for the Pugnacious Premier Shogun. I uh, really enjoyed your story uh, about Pinochet uh, last week, and it illustrates the fact that the only way to stop a bully, and I think we're in agreement that commies are bullies, uh, the only way to stop them is to hit him in the mouth, and Pinochet certainly demonstrated that. Hang on a second, Jesse. What, Chris? Do, do I have a what? A sunroof in my pickup truck? Uh, no no i don't anyway jesse i don't know how you put up with him i love the show have a good day see ya oh that is just not nice it is the jesse kelly show 877-377-4373 jesse at jessekellyshow.com i told you if you call and miss us live you can leave a voicemail we'll play it I am tired of the abuse I have taken about this sunroof, Chris. It was the truck came with the sunroof, the model I wanted. There wasn't an option to not have one, okay? I didn't walk in and say I want a truck with four-wheel drive and a sunroof. It came with one. (sighs) All right, back to, don't get me distracted right now. Remember, we have CIA agent, counterterrorism agent, Drew Berquist coming up in 10 minutes talking to us about that. Chris. I want you to picture this before I get back to this Supreme Court national divorce stuff. I just, I get distracted easily. I want you to picture if you were a young single dude, a single dude walking around with business cards that said, that had like a CIA stamp on them and said counterterrorism agent. Gosh, the chicks, you would just mop up with the women. Oh, you'd be fighting them off with a stick. Oh, hey, call me sometime. You, you can find me here. Oh, counterterrorism agent? Did I ever tell you about my buddy who used to print off the business cards all the time to, in the Marine Corps? I used to have this buddy in the Marine Corps. But see, funniest thing in the world, people re- don't realize it's not like they check your credentials to get business cards printed. You can get them online and have them delivered to your house tomorrow. You can put whatever you want on them. My buddy realized this very early on in the Marines, and he used to get business cards printed off with all kinds of different professions on them so he could test what worked best with women. And so we're in bars. The guy looks like he's 12, and he's handing out business cards. Vice president of, uh, I think one of them was Pringles. Vice president of Pringles. One of them was doctor. One of them was lawyer. And you know what? He killed absolutely killed (laughs) oh you're a doctor well i don't like to talk about it (laughs) quit 
That's don't do that. All right. Focus. If a nation doesn't share common values, I've used this example before and it's always true. It is like the the married couple married has a couple kids, right? So there's investment there. Has a home. They own a home, have a couple kids, dog, a car, maybe two. It's a standard situation. And the the husband decides he wants to move to suburban America. He wants to just raise a family, find a, uh, a good school for the kids, good church, white picket fence, Americana kind of stuff. The wife, the wife decides she's really into this band she loves, and she wants to start doing black tar heroin, leave the kids, give them up for adoption, and travel with the band around the world. Okay, you can overcome some things. Those people don't have anything in common anymore. There's... There's nothing to repair because there's nothing there. The truth is this, and I'm not trying to be dark. I'm just giving an honest assessment of where we are as a country. We don't have anything in common anymore. And don't make this mistake. Don't do this thing where people are like, yes, we do. That's it. Don't, don't believe what you see on, on the media or social media. I get along with my Democrat buddy all the time. I'm not talking about that. So do I. On an individual level, of course, the national decision makers, the people who run our cultural institutions, the people who make decisions, who are leading, we don't have anything in common anymore. We want to raise a family in a white picket fence in a good school and find a good church and life is good. They want to go travel with the band and do black tar heroin. We can't. We can't find a middle ground there. We can't give up one of the two kids and do a little heroin, right? And that's that's the argument we're having now. There's nothing in common. There are no common values. So, and again, I'm not approaching this from a finger-pointing point of view for once. I'm just saying, why are we doing this? It's sad. I, I don't want to have to go through divorce proceedings. Have you ever talked to somebody who's gone through that? Maybe you have yourself. I've had friends that have had to do it. Have you ever have somebody go through a divorce and say, I'm having the time of my life. I just lost my dog. It's terrible. I don't want to. I don't want to have to go through the breakup process as a nation. I don't want to have to decide who gets the dog and the kids and the debt and the everything else. I understand this is not simple. I understand it's not easy. So don't call here or email. Oh, it's too hard. I know it's hard. I know it is. It's going to be really, really hard. And guess what? It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. I love my dog. I can't believe she took my dog. It's going to hurt, man. But it's better than living together and doing black tar heroin with her. Isn't it? Isn't it better for everybody? Better for the kids? Better for everyone involved? It's better. Shoot, it's better for her. Go do your thing, honey. Have fun. Tell the drummer I want an autograph. It's just better. So if, uh, one, again, I don't think Democrats are going to actually try to expand the Supreme Court. I don't. 
But two, if Jesse the Oracle Kelly is wrong. Shut up, Chris. I like this third part, third person thing. I'm re- I'm going all in on this. If Jesse the Oracle Kelly is wrong for the first time ever, then it's just going to speed along what should happen anyway. If Democrats try to expand the Supreme Court and cram through their now insane agenda, absolutely insane. Remember, even Bill Clinton's Democrats are gone. This new party is wacko. If they expand the Supreme Court and cram through that agenda, you will see states secede. You will, or at least attempt to. You will, you will legitimately see that. How that goes from there, I don't know. Certainly didn't go well the last time they tried to do it, and I, I, that is the last thing I want. And let me caution you against this moving forward. Let me caution you against the Civil War talk. I'm ready to have a Civil War. Let's go fight it. I'm ready to have a Civil War. Buddy, that sounds great on the Internet. Have you ever seen war? And a civil one otherwise is twice as bad because now we're not just talking about soldiers. We're talking about women. We're talking about kids. Let's, let's avoid that. That's why I've always said, let's avoid that. And let's just do the hard thing now and sit down and agree. It's not working between you and I. It's just not working. We're going to have to go our separate ways. I want my house and I want my white picket fence. And I want a good school. I want to drive a couple cars. You want to live in a hostel in Norway while you do black tar heroin with the band. We can't work that out. That's what we are as a country. We can't work this out. There's nothing common to work out anymore. We separated. It sucks. I'm not happy about it. It's terrible. Sucks we couldn't keep this thing together. But we couldn't keep this thing together. Coming up next, we are going to talk to counterterrorism agent, former counterterrorism agent, my buddy Drew Berquist. Hang on. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Oh yes, 
Joining me now is my buddy, former counterterrorism officer and host of Drew Berkowitz Live. Drew Berkowitz, first of all, Drew, before we get to the Afghanistan nonsense, Democrats possibly expanding the Supreme Court. I say no way they're doing it. This is just a big distraction from other stuff. What say you? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, look, first of all, thanks for having me. But I I think that it's it's a joke to to think that it's going to get through, although, you know, it does, you know, initiate a little bit of terror in you, because if it goes through, obviously, it's disastrous for this country. But I don't think it does. There's so much else going on. Um, and, and they're pushing that. They're pushing so many things. You look at the laundry list of things that they're talking about this week. It's that. It's high-capacity mags that they're going for. And we know they want. They're talking about reparations. They're throwing all this stuff out there like, okay, we're just going to throw the kitchen sink at you and see what you do. Put us on our heels. And, and I think you said it. You know, They know that we, we, uh, we don't do well when we're on the heels, our, our own heels, excuse me, as, as the GOP. So they're playing the game better than us. We'll see how this all shakes out. Drew, are we experiencing a, a, a fog of war thing where they are throwing so much at us and we are on our heels that we're missing something big that they're actually trying for? Or is that way too conspira- conspiracy theory stuff and they're just throwing out everything to see where it splatters? No, I mean, maybe a combination. Maybe the answer yeah. is yes, kind of in yeah. general. Because I think yeah. that's typically how they, they do act. I mean, they... They, they are very good at playing the information game. And very frequently, they distract you with something else. Hey, look here. Look at this shiny object. Well, we're doing this or several things, you know, kind of out of the, the spotlight. Um, so it's that. It's, it's they come up with scandals when they've got their own that they're facing. So this is how, I mean, their, their playbook is predictable. They use the same three, four plays every time. We just have got to get better at recognizing it and getting more people in the country to recognize it. Uh, and I don't think it's conspiratorial to, to think that, you know, there's obviously you can go too far with things, but this is just how they operate. Drew, counterterrorism officer, you and I have talked about this before, how freaking cool that is, but we've never actually talked about, all right, you're joining the CIA. Are you allowed to, I, I mean, I understand you probably have some direction. Are you allowed to pick your field? T- please tell me you walked in and said, I want to be a counterterrorism officer. I want the coolest job. Yes. Please let me know how I do that. Yes. Uh, no. Well, no. So, I mean, to an extent, you can within the intelligence, not just there, but within the intelligence community writ large, you can you can choose your path. It doesn't mean that you'll get put on that path. Um, you know, for me, by the time you know I was in the latter part of my career with the intelligence community, I had done a bunch of counterterrorism, paramilitary type things. So when I came there, it just was the natural fit. That's what I was experienced in. Um, but I had to, at the, at the way start before I was there, I was uh, actually at DIA, the, the Pentagon's intelligence agency. I had to push and I had to push hard to get into the, the role in the spot. Uh, I didn't have to go like full Kamala Harris, but I had to push hard to get into the spot that I, I wanted to get and kind of get myself set on that track. But it's hard. I mean, look, there's, there's not that many cool jobs in the government. Everyone thinks there are, um, at least the, the general populace, but there's not that many cool ones. So if you, if you find yourself in one, you've you got to consider yourself pretty fortunate, and I certainly was one of those people. Drew, Afghanistan. Uh, one, do you believe Joe Biden is actually going to get us out of there? And two, you were there. I was not. Give me your thoughts on it. Well, I think, first of all, he said, you know, I saw a tweet again today from I forget when it was 11 or 12, where he said they'll be out of there by 2014. It, it's not consistent with how Democrats 
and him in particular operate when it comes to doing this stuff. Um, so the withdrawal, does he actually do it? I don't know. Does a small footprint stay? I don't know. What I think is funny is he's basically doing what Trump said he was doing, just changing the date and taking credit for it. We're, we're moving it back to here. This is all me. You're welcome, America. Um, so we'll see. I, look, Afghanistan is, is such a disaster. I do think I will say this. I'm for I'm for leaving there. I think what Trump was doing, I think Trump, by the way, was one of the best foreign policy presidents we've had in a long, long time. Uh, and what he was doing as it pertains to the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan make a ton of sense. I do think at some point we will be back there if we leave completely. Um, but I think that's okay. As confusing as that might sound, because we've gotten so off course. I mean, if you've been somewhere for 20 years, you're probably doing it wrong. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's been a disastrous policy. We've lost focus ever since the very, very early years of, of the war in Afghanistan. I mean, things spiraled out of control so fast there in terms of how we approached it. So it's time to start over. It's time to take care of things here at home. Although it'll be interesting to see if that happens because Joe Biden's very much an America last president. So. Drew, what does that mean you think we'll be back? I'm not trying to pin you down on something specific, but what does that mean? What what brings us back to that place that I really hope we never go back to? Yeah, well, and look, I, I do, too. I'd love for, for our children, our children's children, not to have to spend as much time as myself and so many others did in that part of the world. But it, look, it's a hotbed for terror. You've got you've got huge issues, obviously, within Afghanistan with the Taliban, other extremists who've, who've taken over a huge swath of the country again already. It's not talked about, but they're they're more or less in charge of a lot of it. And then you've got Iran to one side, Pakistan to the other, both of which are disasters. So you create this this vacuum for power and then you create this opportunity for all of these countries to use that place much like it was ahead of 9-11, you know, for 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 training, for for kind of reunifying all of that. And and nothing good comes from that. So at some point some policymaker is going to say we have to go in and squash this. I hope I'm wrong, but, it, 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 you know, historically speaking, there's just always stuff going on in Afghanistan. There's always fighting going on. There's always problems there. And, and again, across the border from them on both sides, there's, there's huge interest to us with what's going on in Iran, with what's going on with Pakistan, all of that. So it's, it's going to be hard to stay out of there as much as I think we, we need to, at least on the level that we have been. Uh, but we'll see how it plays out. Drew, all right, it, foreign policy-wise, it doesn't feel like on a macro level we've done a ton of good in the past 20, 30 years, but I don't want to oversimplify things and only dog on America and things we've done. What good have we done? I don't want to, I don't want to miss something just because I'm pretty off on this interventionist foreign policy. Have we done some major good that I've missed? I think that we've done really good in the in the long term. No, big picture. No, yeah, in the interim, you know, <laughs> you know, when things first start, I was talking to someone about it yesterday um, at a gun shop. Joe Biden would hate to hear me say that, but I was talking about it with another guy who served. And it's always great when a new conflict starts off and people are like, what? That sounds awful. But when you when you start off a conflict, there's not a ton of bureaucracy. You're there. People are on point and they're on mission. And the mission was in the, in the case of Afghanistan. Hey, we're going to go eradicate Al Qaeda the Taliban, you know, make sure that this is not a safe haven for them to for for them to conduct terror operations. We did that. We did that really well. We're really good at that. We're really good at being a sharp tool. When we get into the nation building and all of this stuff and trying to say, hey, you should do things like us when it's never going to work there. Um, that's where we go way off course. And that's where our policies get disastrous. 
they say, why are you trying to force this on us? Um, you know, we, we keep trying to force it on them. We use money. We think that it's working, but it's really not. They just end up taking advantage of us, and, and it ends in, in sadness, like is the case here and, and so many other places like it. So I, I don't think big picture we've, we've been successful. Drew, I I hate to put you on the spot like this, but I actually want to ask you about a couple other things like Pakistan in India. Is there any way I can hold you on for one more quick segment? If not, that's fine. I'm doing this on the fly. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We are here with Drew Berkwist, former counterterrorism officer, also the host of Drew Berkwist Live, which I would highly, highly recommend. We're going to dig into some more stuff here in a second. Hang on. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. Jake's Mint Chew will help you out of that jam you're in. And I know what jam you're in. You dip tobacco or you smoke. I have done plenty of both in my lifetime. I am not going to be the person who comes on here and say, oh, that's so gross. How could you do that? I've done both. And I'll be frank with you. I have enjoyed both in my lifetime. But, you know, that's not something you really want to be doing. You know you need to get out of it. But how to get out is always the problem, right? Well, if you could just snap your fingers and make it happen, that would be one thing. But you can't. Jake's Mint Chew gives you a way out. It's a transition. It gives you that fix of having something in your lip. I would highly recommend for everybody, although they have long cut and whatnot, I would highly recommend their CBD pouches. They have four different flavors. Go to jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE for 20% off. We are back for a rare second segment with a guest. We have former counterterrorism officer and host of Drew Berkwist Live, Drew Berkwist on. Drew, I just wanted to ask you a couple more things because this part of the world fascinates me. I don't know that there are two relatively significant countries that people know less about than India and Pakistan. Let's focus on the smaller of the two right now, but a nuclear power, Pakistan. What is Pakistan? Uh, it is a absolute train wreck. <laughs> Pakistan, look, and there's and there's great people there. Obviously, there's 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 great people everywhere. But Pakistan has long been a huge issue that no one talks about because it's a hotbed for terror. Their government is so corrupt. You know, their intel organizations, their law enforcement organizations, their military, you name it. And we give as a country so much money to Pakistan every year that they turn around and I'm not speculating on this. I'm not going to go into details, but they turn around and then use to kill Americans and target American interests. So it is among the biggest issues we've, we've ever had that, that again, no one talks about because we as a country are so focused on the shiny ball. We're just not capable of, of doing multi, you know, multiple things at once. But it's it's been a huge issue, and 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 particularly during this past twenty years, where we've been across the border in Afghanistan, the things that they've done to disrupt what we are doing, and again target and kill Americans and other Westerners and our allies, not specifically the government, but the Haqqani Network, other 
other radical groups that are there that have been provided shelter by the government and or funding. Um, it's it's a it's a huge, huge problem that's never addressed. Drew, India. India is gigantic. There's tension all over the place between obviously them and Pakistan, which is not a surprise to anybody, and them and China, which leads someone like me to believe this could be a partner of ours in the future should things get a little hairier than they are right now with China. Am I a nutball? How does that line up for us in the future? What's India? Yeah, look, uh, I I think that they could. Um, We have some common interests. Um, but, uh, but it's, they're also, they're, they're, they're unpredictable in, in, in certain areas. I didn't do as much with, with their Intel services or, or, or military, but obviously a very big country, um, you know, they have some, some, some great capabilities. They're, they're locked in this, you know, they've long had the battle, um, in Kashmir with Pakistan, obviously, as, as you said, they're not good friends there, but if it came down to it, I think that they would take our side, uh, against China, which it appears, um, that relationship continues to sour. So I think that they would, um, but I, I don't know, not 100% certain. I also am not as much of, a, of an India expert, so I don't want to say for sure. Okay. Drew, lastly, somebody, uh, you're obviously somebody who served your country in a really, really ugly place. I get asked from people all the time, would you tell your sons, would you tell your sons to join the Marines? Would you want them to? Would you do that? You, your kids, Would you direct them, knowing the direction our federal government is going? What if they came up to you and said, Dad, I want to be just like you. I'm going to be a super spy. What do you say? Sadly, and I hate it, I would say no. It's not the time. This this government is not. And there are, look, there's amazing people. I have friends who are still out there operating who are great, love this country, would do anything for it. And that's that's why they're still doing it. But but the way that organizations, the military, intel, law enforcement, all of it has been politicized so much, particularly since the Obama administration. And then you see what's happening now. You see how we're changing as a country, how our values I mean so much is changing literally overnight. And yes, some of it's been death by a thousand cuts. It's been happening slowly and quietly, but now it's all coming to bear so, so quickly. I just don't think it's a good time to do it because again, you get in there and you have a passion and a desire to serve your country but the country's changing, and the leadership and what you're allowed to do or not do is changing. And, and we're seeing concerns about whether, you know, people that are conservative or Christian, you know, are as welcome there. So it's, it's, it's just not a good time. So I would say, hey, love your country, yes. You know, um, stand up for it. Try and, try and make changes there. But, but going in and serving right now is just, all, honestly, it's not, it's not the right time. And I hope that changes, and I hope— um, we see some better days ahead, but it also doesn't kind of seem like we're on that path. So, Drew Berkwist, everybody, is he's the host of Drew Berkwist Live. Thank you, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me. Let's get to a few emails, Chris. We haven't gotten to any emails. I haven't gotten to this Ashley Babbitt police officer not being charged yet, and it's so icky that I'm going to wait just a little bit before I get to that. We have some great emails today. Dr. Jesse, I stopped wearing flats several months ago because you because of you. But I haven't just been sitting idly by. I am changing the world one pair of communist feet at a time. I started referring to flats as commie footwear without telling anyone in my life why. Whenever my sister would ask me if her outfit looked cute, if she was wearing flats, I'd tell her, you look like someone only a communist would love. Since then, it's made my sister so uncomfortable she stopped wearing flats completely, which used to be her go-to, paying it forward. <laughs> 
<laughs> you are out there doing the Lord's work. We have what, Chris? We have a huge, huge mountain to climb with women in American society. Somewhere along the line, society became so feminized and men became so scared to speak up to the almighty woman that we have somehow normalized the ugliest, least flattering thing in the history of fashion, women's ballet flats. It is no different, no different than your man coming out in sweatpants and a wife beater to take you out on a date. And the argument is always the same, but they're so comfortable. So are my sweatpants and wife beaters. I'm not wearing them out on a date. Take off the flats. Absolutely atrocious. Atrocious. What? We can be honest with people, Chris. We're honest about stuff. Uh, Dr. Acero Sombrero. Oh, apparently Acero means steel in Spanish. Did you know that, Chris? Wow. Looks like we're going to have to address this in just a moment. I will get to the Ashley Babbitt cop in a second. Hang on. One forty five over ninety two. One eighty over one eleven. One hundred and eighty two over a hundred. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself. I didn't. Now I do. uh, The impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Dr. Acero Sombrero. After listening to the Yuri Bezmanov clip 9,000 times, I finally had some kind of epiphany. How can we ideologically subvert moronic lefties and commies by to be pro-liberty and anti-government? If Yuri says it only takes 25 to 30 years, we can implement a plan and have our country back before we die and for our kids. Thank you again, you handsome devil, signed you num- your number one fan in Oregon. How can we do this? I have an idea on how to do this. The question is... How serious are you about playing offense, about taking your country back? Are you ready to ideologically subvert the communists and take your country back? You're the rebel now. You're on the outside. When we come back, I'm going to open with this Yuri clip. It's a little long, and then I'm going to tell you how we do it. Hang on.
The Jesse Kelly Show. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. Ideological subversion is, is the slow process which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, активные мероприятия in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Uh, the first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students. You can listen to all of Yuri Bezmenov. It's available all over online. This is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. That's former KGB agent in charge of things like demoralization, Yuri Bezmenov, when he defected. That's him from like an hour and a half long interview in 1984 talking about why the Soviets did what they did here, how they did what they did here. How did we become a nation where the cultural Marxists now run every institution? Well, Yuri tells you. He lays it out very clearly. That's why I play so much of it. And the email I got from somebody was, well, how do we do that to them? Well, what did they do? They really focused on a few main areas. They focused on entertainment. Yes, that's right. Oh, the communists took over Hollywood was not fear tactics. That's true. They did that on purpose. They infiltrated Hollywood every single place they could go. But the main place they did it, you heard what he said, educating the next generation. The place they did it is in the schools. Are you ready to take your country back? If you are ready to take your country back, allow me to give you a simple step and 99.99% of us are not going to be comfortable with it. That's fine. Here it is. Go run for your local school board, and then don't take politics out of the education. Put your politics in the education. How many of you are wincing right now? Uh, Jewish producer Chris is wincing right now. Makes you uncomfortable, right? How do you think they got you? How do you think they did it? Do you think you're going to take back this culture in a way that makes you comfortable? Did you honestly think there was going to be a polite, nice, comfortable way to take culture back when you've lost every cultural institution? You have a roach infestation in your home. They're everywhere. Getting them out is going to hurt now. If you and I didn't want it to hurt, then you and I should not have allowed the infestation to get so deep. 
Nevertheless, it is so deep, we must deal with the reality of the situation on the ground. And the situation on the ground is people who believe what you and I believe. We have no power in America now. Zero. None. Don't you dare email me with the words silent majority. And you know, I let you email me anything. You can email me death threats and I won't mind. Don't you dare say that word to me. Exactly, Chris. Chris said, but Jesse, the courts, th- that word has so, been so abused by people on the right who want to convince themselves that we're not that bad off. Yeah, we may have the numbers. What does that matter? They control everything. Like I, I've used this example before. If the local McDonald's has a manager and assistant manager that believe in spitting in everyone's food, but, you know, the majority of the cooks and the, the, the people who take care of everyone and the cashiers are all really good people who believe in that. Is that McDonald's a good McDonald's? Well, why not? The, the numbers are there. Now, Chris just pointed out the Bolsheviks only had 25% of the vote. I don't want to hear silent majority ever again. They control all the institutions. They won. They won the culture war. We must now, as the counterculture rebel force, take it back. You are going to do things that make you uncomfortable taking it back. Do you want me? Do you want me to do a list of various guerrilla wars that have taken place around the world and the things said guerrillas did in those wars? Are those things, if I told you right now, if I told you stories about the things the Indians, the American Indians did to American settlers and troopers, when they caught them, when they got a hold of them, you would cringe. If I told you about the things the Viet Cong did to American troops, to their own people, you would cringe. You'd be horrified. The things the Taliban have done in Afghanistan. Pick your guerrilla war. The things American colonists did to the British during the American Revolution. If I told you about these things, the specifics, how it actually looks, you would be uncomfortable. How do you think you win a guerrilla war? You have to do things that make you uncomfortable. Why? Because you lack the strength to fight it conventionally. You and I lack the strength now to fight a conventional war because we lost the entire culture. You're going to have to do things that make you uncomfortable. Go run for your local school board and make sure your biases are what are taught to the next generation and then the next generation and then the next generation after that. That's how they got you. That's how you're going to get them. Offense. Defense is let's take politics out of school. Offense is let's put my politics in school. Your child, my child, children in general are going to be indoctrinated with something. Teachers are not robots. You send your child for seven, eight hours a day to hear things from an adult that stands at the front of the classroom as an authority figure. It's not remotely believable that that person is going to speak to your child about anything for any length of time and not in some way expose their bias. Put your bias in there. Yeah, I know. 
That's cringeworthy, right? Look, it makes me cringe. It's uncomfortable. Did you think this was going to be comfortable? If you were, if you thought that, you were sadly mistaken. Hello, Sombrero Shogun of Sandals. You know what? We're going to put that one aside for a moment. That's actually a great question about Hitler. We have to address something here. Saw this article came out, Chris. This came out from YouGov.com. It's all the U.S. uh, states ranked from best to worst, according to Americans. And the bottom of the list, which is hilarious, even though it's not a state, they put 51 on here, District of Columbia. Totally true. Number 50 is Alabama. That's absurd. Alabama is an awesome state. If you've ever been to uh, Birmingham, Birmingham's awesome. Alabama's way cool. If you, you people who people who voted in this have never been to these places. Mississippi being 49, okay, I can get that. New Jersey's way down there. I I like New Jersey because look, we play that New Jersey clip all the time. I get along with uh, um how do you want to put this? Direct people? Maybe rude people. Those people are fine with me because I don't have feelings, but a lot of people don't like that. So that's kind of the bottom of the list stuff. But I do have to address number one. Number one is Hawaii. We're about to have a talk about Hawaii. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Eden Pure Thunderstorm. I have had more air purifiers than you can possibly count. And you know I'm honest with you, right? I'll be frank. I have them because of my allergies. Yeah, I want my home to smell well and all that stuff, but my allergies, especially during the pollen season... They drive me up the wall. I I don't like the runny nose. Nobody does. But it's the eyes that kill me. That feels like my eyelids are made of sandpaper. You know what I'm talking about? Well, that's gone for me now. That's gone for me now. I don't even take that medication, that allergy medication you get at your local pharmacy anymore. That's gone. I haven't eaten pure thunderstorm. Constantly making sure my air is clean. It even kills and prevents the spreading of mold and fungus and mildew. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Use the code word JESSE at checkout for 10 bucks off. Tomorrow is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday here on the Jesse Kelly Show. 877-377-4373. Call us live with your questions. Leave a voicemail with your questions. Email me with your questions. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. All your emails go right to Jewish producer Chris. He prints them all out for me. I read them all. I will not respond. I get way too many of them. But tomorrow's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. We already have a stack rising, Chris. Oh, that's awesome. Remember, they do not have to be political. 
They, they can be. That's totally fine. Don't hesitate to send a political question. I get it. They can be historical food, men, women, relationship, any, absolutely anything. Stupid survival scenarios. I am down for any of it. The week is heavy enough, especially now. There's enough to look around and feel bad about. We don't do that on Friday. On Friday, we screw off all day long. I give you my word, you will you will enjoy yourself on Fridays. Chris and I were just talking about it during the breaks. Of fr- I mean, it's not as if the job is backbreaking anyway. I do laugh at all these people who do what I do. Oh, I've just been working so hard. But, buddy, you're talking to a microphone. You're talking to a microphone. But I will tell you, Friday is not work at all. I told Chris, I do, I do ask Dr. Jesse Friday on Saturday morning when I got up. It's that much fun for me. So you all have a good time. All right. We had this article, uh, YouGov.com ran some poll on Americans ranking the best states. And I'm not going to break down the whole thing that would take all day. I'm not bothering with it. I have too much other stuff I want to get to. But number one was Hawaii. This is what happens to people. People are influenced. I am too. Everybody is. It's human nature. You're influenced by what your eyes see and your ears hear. And you are manipulated and influenced by movies and sitcoms and things like that. People who think Hawaii is the best place to live in America, the number one one, they're in love with an idea of Hawaii. They're not in love with Hawaii. Yes, there was a time when Hawaii was an absolute island paradise. I've been there a couple times. Nothing, nothing fancy, don't get me wrong. Last time I was there was when I was selling RVs. The top 10 salesmen in the company got a, uh, I think it was a five-day trip to Hawaii at the end of the year if you were top 10, and I was pretty good at it, so I got sent over there. But uh, again, nothing too fancy, but I've been there a few times. If you haven't been to Hawaii in the last 10, 15, 20 years, you're only in love with the idea of it. The prices are absurdly high. Okay, that's one thing. Whatever. Nice places to live are oftentimes expensive places to live. Supply and demand. That's one thing. The homelessness, the absolute drug-addled crime, the trash everywhere, leftists, communists, they destroy things. They are firmly entrenched in that state, and they have destroyed all of it. They wrecked Hawaii. Hawaii is a sewer with a nice beach, and that's a fact. And look, as somebody who prefers to vacation in America, just I like the American dollar. I like the security of being in America. And yeah, I've traveled. I I like world travel too. But if I have my druthers, look, I'll be honest. Probably going to take a beach vacation of some time of some kind this year. I'm going to Florida. Took a beach vacation last year. I went to Florida. People undersell Florida big time. By the way, shout out to Florida Man Radio. We love we love that you enjoy us. But Florida has as nice of beaches as anywhere you can find. Florida has something for everybody. And I'm not just saying that because I love their governor or whatnot. You don't have to travel far. But people who love Hawaii or rank Hawaii number one are in love with the idea of Hawaii. Now, let's briefly talk about this Ashley Babbitt thing. Ashley Babbitt was one of the people who went into the Capitol on January 6th. And, of course, they're called insurrectionists and all these idiotic stuff. And she was the one 
I'm sure you've seen the various angles of the video where the cop is behind the door, the doors are closed, and she's coming through the glass part of the door, or at least looks like she wants to, and it was really terrible. I, I don't recommend watching it unless you just have a desire to pop. He just flat out shoots her in the neck. There are a bunch of cops behind her, which was a dangerous shoot anyway. She's unarmed. Pow! He smokes her. Dead. Right then and there. And he's not facing charges. And, of course, the cop who shot this, Dante Wright, up in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, she is facing charges. I believe a second-degree manslaughter. I understand this is going to make a bunch of people mad. And let me clarify, I don't care. Uh, Both those cops are dead wrong. The cop who shot Dante Wright thought she had a taser in her hands. You've been a cop for over 20 years. You don't get to make that mistake. You know the difference between a gun or a taser, or it is wildly irresponsible for you to be on the police force. Being a cop is a cool thing. It's an awesome thing. It's a necessary thing. But it comes with a certain standard. You have not met that standard. If in a high, in a high pressure situation, you don't know the difference between a taser and a gun. Totally unacceptable. That's one. Two. According to, on the DC situation, you shoot an unarmed woman in the neck with cops standing behind her when she was posing no physical threat to you. You should be in jail. That cop should be in jail. That is unacceptable on every level. Just the safety of the police officers behind him. But one last thing, and then I'm going to let this whole thing go. If you decide you're going to stomp into any area where you're not allowed, whether that be somebody's home, a convenience store, the Capitol building, that's a dangerous game. Be careful. And if you're being placed under arrest, whether it is the most justified or the least justified thing in the world, and you decide you're going to physically fight it, that's a dangerous game, Jack. That's a contact sport. It's better if you just never do either of those things. Life is much, much, much safer If you don't resist arrest and you don't attempt to make entry into a place where you're not allowed, that's a fact. I don't care if you're offended. I hope I just save someone's life one day. And when it comes to resisting arrest or or going into a place where you're not allowed, have that conversation with your children. I have a bit of a lead foot. I know you're going to find that shocking. And I've actually been pulled over before with my sons in the car. One time I was on the way to drop them off at school. (laughs) I get pulled over and they're laughing in the back, those little jerks, talking about how they're going to tattle on me when they get home and whatnot. Oh, I'll tell you what, sometimes with those kids. Anyway, my sons, though, already know how to conduct themselves when they're pulled over. Pull over, keep both hands high on the steering wheel. Don't move around. When you do move around, once the officer comes up to whichever window and gives you instructions, move slowly. You don't handle anything out there on the street. Nothing. If you think it's unjustified, and it might be. There are bad cops. There are good cops who screw up. Grab yourself a lawyer. 
fight it out in court. I don't tell my sons that because, oh, the cops are always right, son. Do what you're told. I tell my sons that because I don't want them to die. And a good way to die is resisting arrest on the side of the road. And look, that goes to entering a place where you're not welcome to. I tell my sons, is that yours? No? Then stay away from it. You don't know what people will do to protect their stuff. Now, let's talk about something nobody knows about that Joe Biden is doing with Braxton McCoy. And it has a big impact on America. Hang on. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn. But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day, and it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Nobody on earth has brought up the 30 by 30 initiative yet to me, except for my next guest, my buddy Braxton McCoy, veteran author of The Glass Factory, and now man with a podcast. Braxton, before we get started on everything else, what is the 30 by 30 initiative? What are you talking about? Ostensibly, it's a plan to protect, whatever that means exactly, 30% of U.S. land and 30% of U.S. water by 2030. But what they bury in there is that the, the, uh, the goal at the end is 50% of U.S. land and 50% of U.S. water by 2050. Okay, now 30% of U.S. land, 50% of all these. What? Okay, I understand nobody really knows what it means yet, but are they talking about national parks? Are they talking about federal lands? What's the fine print on all this? The best I can come up with is that if it's a national park, or a national monument, or tribal reservation land, then that counts as uh, properly protected. So, yeah, they're looking to make, like, the first thing they'll probably do is take the two million acres from Grand uh, Staircase, Escalani, and uh, Bears Ears that Trump rescinded and put it back. But that's, you know, that's the low-hanging fruit. After that, they'll probably go to all of the BLM land, which is about 245 million acres. But... As of now, they're saying that there's 289 million acres that are ad- adequately protected, but their goal is to get to something like 789. 
total protected acres. So if you add those 245 to the 289, you know, I'm a idiot horse trainer, but that comes out to something like 534 million acres. Well, that's missing about 195 million acres. And what they're saying is they're going to use like a willing seller, willing buyer model to buy up private land and private water to add to, you know, this U.S. Uh, protection plan. Okay, buying up private land and private water. For for those who don't understand exactly what that means, does that mean they're knocking on Braxton McCoy's door and offering a fair price? And if you say no, they say, okay, well, thank you, sir, and go away? Or does it look like something uglier than that? Well, you know, that's the thing is they're not being really open about it. There are some other projects that have kind of done this before. But really, if you've ever seen the show Yellowstone, the government is kind of the villain in Yellowstone right now. So even if they, you know, try to they they can call it willing all they want, but they'll pressure people in ways, you know, uh, that they just can't stand up to. Like, so if they buy up a neighboring property for a bunch of money that drives up uh, potentially drives up uh, taxes and also land value, so you can't expand your ranch, and then eventually it cripples under just the weight of that, and then they can buy it. You know, so they'll bankrupt you and then take it, you know, not necessarily at the point of the gun, but by, you know, ruining your wallet. Yeah, which is, frankly, a point of a gun would be more merciful than some of the ways they've taken land like this in the past. But, all right, Braxton, I do have to ask, because and I don't know why this popped into my head, but everybody knows half the country's moving to Florida right now, or they're moving to places, you know, up in the Rockies, Montana, Wyoming, uh, these places like that. I did get a good snicker thinking about this morning, all these people moving to places like Idaho and Wyoming, Montana, in the first winter when they get there, because I grew up in Montana, and this happened all the time. People would move there. Oh, the sky's so pretty. I love the air. And then it's 25 below, and they're packing up and moving next year. I love it. Yeah, I think that's a real possibility. I, I mean, that's kind of my white pill on this whole thing. I'm hoping that's what happens. And and for any listener out there, you should definitely avoid Idaho because we have grizzly bears and none <laughs> of us are vaccinated. <laughs> Braxton, <laughs> would you mind informing people about grizzly bears? I try to explain this on the show of people with like, oh, just just carry a pistol. Uh, a nine millimeter is not going to do anything to a grizzly bear. And I mean absolutely nothing at all besides possibly upset it or put out its eye. Right. When I'm guiding, I carry either a 4570 or a 12 gauge loaded with slugs and buckshot mm-hmm. because there's really not a handgun round that's going to be effective on that mm-hmm. animal. I mean, there's just none. Even a 500 Smith and Wesson doesn't hit hard enough. I mean, it's better than you know a nine mil, but it's not as effective as a slug. As a fat, my old man on his ranch, that's what he rolls around with is a shoddy with slugs and buckshot on there. He said, well, I, "What? Anything else? I might as well carry a BB gun." Braxton, why horses? I don't understand it. Why horses? You have this cool story. I highly recommend his book, The Glass Factory, by the way. You got blown up. You recovered. Now you train horses? That's not exactly an in-the-couch kind of profession, brother. <laughs> well, I grew up on a small horse ranch in southern Utah, so it's been a part of my life since I was a little kid. And um, being able to get back on them, you know, for a while they thought I was never going to walk again, and I was beat up pretty good, so... Being able to get back on Colts was almost like coming full circle, but without the prodigal son moments, although there were some of those too. <laughs> How beat up were you? Tell people about what happened to you. A lot of people don't know. Uh, my, I broke my left humor, or my, excuse me, I left my left femur in three places, my left hip in two places, my right femur in two places, my right hip in one. I broke my spine. I broke my left humerus. I broke both my radius and ulnar and my right arm. 
all the bones in my right hand, my right median nerve, and uh, broke a couple ribs and had some brain contusions. That's pretty much the gist of it. Oh, is that all? That's, well, <laughs> is that all? How How is your body feeling today? You don't ever fully recover from stuff like that, right? I mean, there's always something lingering on you. Yeah, I mean, I I get up in the morning and try to stretch as best as I can, get on my little inversion table and hang around like a bat for a minute and then get out to work. But, it, I mean, I'm sore, but I, I don't want to complain, especially I've got young boys. I'd like to be a role model for them, you know. Like, I can't tell them to walk it off and then be a whiner, mm. you know. Braxton, tell people, I, I get emails all the time about uh, raising sons. What's a, what's a practical lesson you try to teach your sons? What, what do you try to put on them? And I, I'm certainly not exactly uh, the world's number one dad. What's a lesson you try to teach yours? Physical courage is important, but moral courage is the most important. If you look at 2020, uh, it, it was really moral cowardice that it was the, the virus, you know. So if we can raise a generation of men who don't have that, affliction we can maybe get through this you know this trying time do you think we're going to get through this trying time because i don't i mean everyone knows i don't i i, I think uh, i i'm not trying to be doomsday about it i just think we need to go ahead and go our separate ways or, or i'm worried about what that future looks like but i'm 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 in the minority at least for now that number is growing where are you on all of it i agree with you balkanization is the answer especially with this 30 by 30 thing um you know, guns and gun ownership is important, but if you give up your land, then what the heck good are your guns, you know? So I think that if the Western states don't take a stand on this, then we're probably done for good. So I'm hoping we can put some pressure on the GOP to behave like men instead of cowards. Okay, so uh, where are we exactly are we going to find that GOP? Are you and I watching a different GOP? <laughs> No, uh, no, we're not. I mean, there's like three that I trust at all, and I barely even trust them. So I don't know. We're get, what we need to do is find people like my buddy Joe Kent and yep. uh, just more regular guys off of, you know, that are sort of sitting on the bench right now and, and get them out there. And I know it's pretty hypocritical to say when you couldn't drag me into a political job, but I'm hoping we can find people that are willing that are, you know, from our areas that are going to stand up and be strong, you know. Real quick, brother, give people your podcast. I liked it, your podcast, and now we need more good voices out there. How can people find it? Best place to find it. Well, anywhere you get your podcast, you can you can find it. And if you're interested in this 30 by 30 thing, we're going to cover it. The name of the podcast is The Braxton McCoy Show, and we should drop an episode on this in the next week. All right, we'll be tuning in, man. I appreciate you. Okay, thanks, brother. All right, Chris, we have a decision to make on the show. In the final segment, we usually do headlines I didn't get to, and there are a stack of them today. Or we have incredible emails to get to. We have to decide. We have to decide now. What say you? Are we going emails or are we going stories? Thanks, Chris. Raising your hands up in the air and saying, I don't know, is really a good... Thank you. That's very helpful. You know what? I'll make the decisions. I'll make the decisions. We'll be right back, and you're going to have to wait and see, because apparently I'll make this decision on my own. out catch up jessekellyshow.com
No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. It is the world-famous Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Chris, did you see our ambassador to the UN before I get these headlines? Did you see this nut job? We have, we have seriously, we have cultivated some severely unhealthy attitudes of gratitude in this country. The, 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 half the country hates the place. This is our ambassador. I've seen for myself how the original sin of slavery weaved white supremacy into our founding documents and principles. But I also shared these stories to offer up an insight, a simple truth I've learned over the years. Racism is not the problem of the person who experiences it. Those of us who experience racism cannot and should not internalize it, despite the impact it can have on our everyday lives. Racism is the problem of the racist. And it is the problem of the society. All right, all right, that, that that's, I'm, I'm sorry. Racism. That's all I can take. That, this is who we. This is this is our ambassador to the United Nations now. Everything is this crap all the time. Let's get to an email. Dear Shogun, high carbon steel Kelly, listening to yesterday's show, I heard you wonder about whether you could train a monkey to bring you a beer. Yes, everybody. I told you we talk about the hard issues on this show. Anyway. Yes, you can. I know how much you are fascinated by Japan. So on your next trip, you must make it a point to dine at the Kayabukiya, the Kayabukiya Tavern north of Tokyo and be served by their monkey waitstaff. Their highly trained macaque waiter. Macaque? Chris, would you do me a favor and make sure I'm saying that right, please? I am? Somebody did not think that through. So their highly trained macaque waiters will bring beer or sake to your table. Make sure you have a generous edamame soybean pod tip. I enjoy listening to your show daily, especially the history segments. Keep up the great work. Yes, you can read my name on the air. His name is Mike in California, and he actually has a picture of one of these macaques bringing somebody a beer. Chris, what? It's $7,000 for a spider monkey? Oh, I'm not doing that, but I'll tell you, dude, having a macaque would be kind of cool. And we're going to move on now. Headline, 
Decision to pause Johnson & Johnson vaccine causes public confidence in vaccine to sink. Yes, so does lying to the general public over the last year about everything under the sun, making every single wrong move, carpet bombing the economy, and then acting like you did nothing wrong. Public confidence in any cultural institution is at an all-time low, and God bless us for that. Headline. Thief brings two kids along while robbing robbing Queen's frozen yogurt store just for the toppings. You know, one, I totally support you bringing your kids to work with you. Two, I've always been kind of out on frozen yogurt, and this is why. It's not that it tastes bad. It doesn't taste bad at all. I feel like I'm betraying ice cream. I feel like I'm not being fake. What, Chris? Chris said you don't go there for frozen yogurt. You go there for the toppings. Dude, they have ice cream shops where you can get the same toppings. It's not like the only they only sell those to the frozen yogurt places. What do you mean where? They're all over all these creameries and stuff. You know what? I'm not dealing with you right now. Headline, cbsnews.com, Biden to address joint session of Congress on April 28th. Biden's doing a State of the Union on April 28th. That's going to be rough. Can't you hear it now? Uh, uh, I don't know. And then... In the the border with uh, Nancy. Where was I? What? Oh, that's going to be great. Headline, campusreform.org. Narrative shattered KKK white power graffiti on campus written by a black student. The truth is this is not unique to any skin color. As a culture in America today, we have incentivized victimhood. Therefore, no matter what your culture incentivizes, It's going to get more of it. The guy just brought up Japan, and people were always mad about Japan and their suicide attacks and their crazy stuff they did in World War II. Japanese culture incentivizes that kind of thinking. That's why they got more of it. American culture incentivizes being a victim of something. There is no higher calling in America today than to somehow be oppressed by something. So if you're not oppressed or you're not a victim, you think I might as well make it up. Headline, Israel demolishes super secure Iranian nuclear facility. Uh, That's from redstate.com. I do love how Israel conducts their business. Did not give advance notice, apparently, to Joe Biden. Israel is wise enough to know we are on our own, Jack. Let's go get it done. The worst thing that happened to Iran was probably Joe Biden lifting sanctions and being nice to them. Because now you make Israel think, okay, we don't have any other choice. They can't get a nuclear weapon on our watch. Sally forth, baby. Someone's going to die today. Headline. CampusReform.org. While spending millions on luxury home, BLM co-founder told college students that capitalism is more tragic than COVID-19. She is, of course, a an avowed Marxist. She's a self-described Marxist. Her name is Patrice Cullors. And what has the Shogun always told you about America's communists? America's communists are no different than communists have always been. Mao never missed a meal. I'm not done yet. Hang on. Jake's mint chew is what works to quit dipping. I don't have... A less direct way to put it than that. 
Jake's Mint Chew works when you want to quit tipping. And, look, I didn't see this coming, I'll be honest with you, but I get email after email after email about Jake's Mint Chew helping people quit smoking. Because it's not just that they have 11 different flavors of Long Cut. They have four different flavors of the CBD pouches. That means when it's time for that dip break, when it's time for that cigarette break, instead, you throw a little CBD pouch in your lip, takes that edge off, and the craving is gone. And it's nicotine-free, and it's tobacco-free, and I want you to try it. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE at checkout for 20% off. Remember, if you missed any part of the Jesse Kelly Show, you can catch the whole thing on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes on iTunes. Leave a five-star rating, leave a review talking about how handsome I am. That is it for the serious topics and headlines and stuff like that. There is one more day in this week, and that's Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, where I take my almost three years of community college credits, and I solve all of your problems. Send me your emails. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Your love, your hate, your death threats. I don't care if the topics are political. They can be. It can be history. It can be animals, food, men, women, whatever you want it to be. Send it in. We are going to have a blast tomorrow. I haven't decided if I'm even going to have one guest on. That's how excited I am for me. That's all. Jesse Kelly Show. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl... She got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out.
Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.